This is how you should open up every one of these podcasts. You think so? I, I think I don't think so. I know I know that you should. I think we discovered our intro song. Yeah. If I was um, a boxer, I would come out to this. Well, I want to welcome my very first guest, the legendary Bill Somerville, that is spelled S-O-M-E-R-V-I-L-L-E-L-L-E. One M, no U, it's an O. He's constantly living like it's the summer in the Sunshine State, but the spelling is different. It's different. It's more like some, can I have some of your vill? Um, but that didn't stop drill sergeants in the United States Army of calling me Somerville, Winterville, Autumnville, Springville, asshole shit. Am I allowed to curse? Right? You, are, you are. Asshole shithead. Um, beat your face. Like just a bunch of different names. Okay. They had fun with it. They couldn't get more creative than that, huh? Well, they did. Um, when they found out the last four of my social security is actually 1 800. One eight zero zero, and as you know, ah. uh, you know, you go to different types of like military schools and classes, and sometimes they only call you by the last four digits of your social security number. So they had fun with that. One eight hundred um, asshole. One eight hundred douche. Um, one just a plethora of names with one eight hundred um, put on the front of it, and uh, you know, they did their best, but clearly, if um, they had to go. To your last four of your social, they were obviously digging for shit. I mean, I was a model soldier. Look at this. I'm a fucking unit. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't have much to go off of. Like, Somerville, why'd you run so fast or do so many push-ups or do exactly what we told you to do? Um, I was tiny, though. Excuse me. I was a tiny man. Still, I would say, uh, like, in stature, I'm a tiny man. um, You know, I'm not... buff man or tall man Um, you've got a good thickness to you a healthy thickness thank you i uh i'm marrying a spanish woman i feel like her cooking has definitely put some some thickness uh onto me i've i've learned very quickly in latin culture that you're frowned upon if you leave any food on your plate whatsoever so you take what you know that you can eat uh and then like i will put that food on my plate and then my soon-to-be mother-in-law will put additional food on top of it. So I'm starting to realize how this works. So now what I do is I put less food than I actually want on my plate because I know that she's going to hit me with an extra scoop of the rose con pollo or the chicharron or the vieja, ropa vieja. What is it? Old clothes? How do you say that? It's Cuban. My so wife is going to... No comprende. She's upset right Senor. now. She hears me. Old clothes is how it translates to in English. Ropa vieja, I think. But she's a trainer, so she uh, she <clears throat> feeds you, she fattens you, and then kicks your ass, basically? Yeah, we go to the gym. She uh, believes that she's stronger than me. It's yet to be determined. Yeah? I run faster than her. Still got the running. I did notice that mm-hmm. at the 5K. You saw that. You saw we, the theater, we, right? we had overhead footage of, of who winning. finished first. Yeah. Yeah, but you know it was a real classy guy that ran back a little bit, and then 
I was done. It's been uh, quite some time since I've run a 5K, uh, but I was feeling good. There was an opportunity when we were coming up in the 5K um, to make a left instead of a right to run a shorter race, which mm-hmm. um, some people did. And I was like, you know what? Like Anything worth doing is worth doing right. Like I didn't put these shoes on. I didn't put this... You know, I didn't put this number on my chest to come out here and run less than a 5K. It said 5K on uh, the Facebook thing. Like, come out, you could do two things, right? You'd run cornhole, or you can do the cornhole, or you can run the 5K. Sorry, in the 5K. But I did want to play cornhole. Yeah. Um, we were limited on teams and in uh, competition. But, uh, you know, it's a start. I mean, uh, uh my dad went all out on making the boards, which that. turned out freaking awesome. Um, but that was one of the most uh, um, um, challenging parts of the event was making sure we had enough teams. Yeah, you know, and 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 running and organizing that, um, and making sure everybody was happy because uh, not everybody was. There were some smiling faces. I know. I mean, I wasn't smiling during the 5K beating, but um, I was after, you know, like most runs, and I've done uh, quite a few of them in my life, uh, I was very happy once it was completed. Um, I think like halfway through the race, that was every step I took, I was excited because it was getting me one step closer to not running anymore. Um, So I wanted to run quicker because I wanted it to stop. Um, and then once it did, uh, someone gave me a, a banana, and I ate it. I was really happy. I don't know who thought of handing out bananas, but that I didn't even know I wanted a banana until someone handed it to me, and I was very happy to get it. Yeah, there's a few smart people that uh, are running around Unified Dream that uh, mm-hmm. come up with some decent ideas uh, to show people that uh, we know what we're doing sometimes. It's a facade. You're running a good facade. I, that, that's the whole idea. You know, There's a lot of editing. <laughs> There's a lot of editing. We'll edit all this part out and and just make it seem like you know, yeah, it's not a facade. No, you know what you're doing. No, that's that's the talent that I have developed is the facade. The facade. Unified dream. That's why everybody's dreaming. The reality is, I have no clue what I'm doing, and uh, I'm just winging it all as I roll, and somehow magically. It's going to turn out okay. It comes together. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people do that. I t- I t- just a quick note. Ever tell you, um, I had a conversation with my father, and he um, basically explained to me that he, like, with parenting, he had, he had no idea what he was doing. He's like, dude, I had no idea. I've heard that before. No idea what I was doing. Totally winged the whole entire thing. Thank God you came out okay. Um, but it, you know... There were ups and downs. There were times where I was like, I'm really doing a good job. And times where I was like, ah, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. I really messed this kid up. Um, but in the end, like, you, you're you all right, you know? Um, yeah, just doesn't, didn't know what he's doing. I don't know what I'm doing. You know? Well, we didn't know what the hell we were doing in the service, but we surely knew quick, or figured it out quick. Yeah, the orders helped a lot. I was a huge fan of that. Yeah. Your yeah. dad wasn't very strict? Or what? Oh, he's very, super strict. Super. Yeah, super strict. So it's funny. So uh, my dad was incredibly strict, and uh, my mother was not. Yeah. I, I was talking to somebody about that too, not that long ago. Where my 
my dad like would let me ride my bike to the end of the street. My mom's just like, yeah, just whatever. Just come back at this time. Like, I don't care where you go. Just come back, you know, at dinner or I'm going to slap you around. Um, and my dad was always just like, even until I was like 17, 18 years old, like, oh, God, I don't, you know, like, I don't know. I don't want him to go here or do this or do that. And just, um, my mom was just super chill about everything, you know, like strangers have candy really well get me so <laughs> don't be selfish I haven't met your mom yet have I she is great she's uh she's a character she uh a lot of people say that I physically look like my father but I take after my mother a lot more she's kind of a she's crazy my yeah. mom's crazy same here my mom got a divorce sold her house bought a tiny home in the Smoky Mountains. Now she lives there by herself. That's cool. But she's the coolest woman I know. That's awesome. Without a doubt. Smokies is a cool place. Yeah. She's got a great place. She's got a great place. We went there for Christmas and got the hike all over that area. It was full of waterfalls. Were there bears? You see any brown bears? No. You know what? I don't know. I'm sure, the, I'm sure the weather had something to do with it. And what do bears do in the winter, buddy? They like to take naps. Yeah. Okay. Powerful naps. Apparently, birds and squirrels did too, because we didn't see shit. Really? Yeah, it sucked. Was it uh, foggy? Was it smoky? No. Really? No. It really didn't live up to the name, huh? No, it didn't. You'll have to go back in the summer. Without a doubt. Or the fall. No, I can spring. tell that that place is one that you visit every uh, season. Yeah. The Smokies. Yeah, I would like to go there. Let's see if, uh, I don't even know if Christy is like DTH. Down to hike. Down to hike. Yeah. Yeah. That Seriously, you guys haven't figured that out, Bill? I mean, she's just down to do everything, so I just kind of, I had assumed that if I was like, we're going hiking, she'd be like, okay, Bobby. You know, I mean, like, yeah. I'm, if I'm like, I'm going to the beach, um, I'm going to go surf. She's like, yeah, okay, I'll just come bring a book or I'll surf or she just, she knows how to surf no she's but, learning or you yeah. teaching mean, I, her I don't have to teach I don't know how to surf I'm just doing it I'm just out there just falling a lot I went this morning you kidding me how was it how was the surf it was good I caught like two or three waves and then I, I had to take off I actually so I took my contacts out because they're bothering me and I put the glasses on right and I my eyesight is terrible so I'm just like eh, I probably won't surf this morning because yesterday I went and it was terrible it was all blown out and just not good for mm-hmm. the longboard and of course I show up this morning after I go this so I get up 5.30 at the gym uh, usually I go until like 6.40 because sunrise is at 6.50 um, catch the sunrise at 6.50 and I get there and sure as shit Per, like not perfect but good long boardable waves and there's two guys in the water and I'm like damn it because I almost always load the board up into the car when I go over there and see the sunrise uh, so I went back got the board came back and by this time it's like 7.10 ish and then um, you know surf for like 30 minutes and then I had to get back because at 8 I usually like start my professional day mm-hmm Eight to like six or five, you know. So I gotta, you know, I gotta be in an hour before everybody, so I can like listen to calls and look at emails and, you know, get yelled at by my staff. Where? So you have your own policy bind office? Yeah, it's wherever I want it. 
Nice. It was in New Jersey. It was in Denver. Now oh, it's okay. there. Mm. You know, I mean, like I could shoot a couple emails and it could be at your house. You know? No, I was just curious to see if yeah, you, you know, <laughs> a uh, brick and mortar I location. Mean, yeah, nah, it's so two thousand and late. Yeah, this is twenty twenty. I'm debating. I want one, but I don't. I want one just so I can have more space to to do you know uh, to film a lot uh, a lot more. Okay. Um, yeah. Put up a green screen, you know, just be able to, you know, act out scenes a lot more than just this, uh, you know, 15 by 15. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you um, you could rent a spot a couple mm. times and see, like, if you're going to use it as much as you're going to, you know. Um, no, that's the idea is to, to definitely, well, I'm caught in between and we'll get in this um, maybe later or... Uh, or some other time, uh, the goal is to open a veteran rec center. Um, and within that rec center is going to be enough space to where I could do that filming. Um, within the veteran rec center will be new state-of-the-art, okay? Not dark, smoky, you know, lonely and uh, depressing. That sounds terrible. You made it sound so attractive like that. Just just, just by that? Thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> we, you know... Uh, Workout facility, a place to meditate, a place, a place to do yoga, a place to connect with other veterans, um, a place to do your work. I like that. Uh, you know, a full kitchen. What about bocce? Bocce? Maybe. Why not? What about shuffleboard? Shuffleboard? Yeah. You know, I, I, I think we need to bring it back, Bill. What about I mean, Taibo? Taibo? Yeah. I was, I, I was thinking Zumba. I'll come to that. You come to Zumba? Yeah. Well, actually, I was yoga? hoping that you would teach the Zumba class. Yoga, yeah. Definitely yeah, yoga. Yeah, we're thinking about uh, Connected Warriors. They are graciously offering Unified Dream about three office spaces in their new facility that they'll what? be in in March. Um, so it's in Boca, and that'll help me uh, be able to do things, because obviously I live here yeah. in Royal Palm, which is uh, a little bit out of the way. For where most people live, but uh, it's nice though. Yeah, yeah. Bill. Yes, sir. I want to welcome you to the Unified Dreamcast, our very first podcast. It's a conversation with filmmakers, innovators, and game changers. And I knew who my first guest would be. Uh, one of the most uh, inspiring man, uh, men, excuse me, that I have met. Uh, plays uh, a big role in my life, who's helped me out tremendously. I uh, I know we don't talk as often as we should. Um, we are both running companies, running relationships, and trying not to lose any more of our gorgeous hair. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a pleasure to have you here, and 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 uh, I'm honored to have you as our first guest and sitting in. Uh, in our uh, Unified Dream couch. Well, thank you very much. I mean, when I had come in here initially, for, first of all, when you're just like, let's do this podcast, I was like, all right, I figured it would be like, I would be in my, my little dungeon, you would be in yours, and we'd do it there. And you're like, no, you got to come to my house. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Come out to your house for this. And then I came here, and I was, you know, I'm glad that I came out here. You know, yeah. it's 20 minutes from the, you know, close to the intercoastal, but it was a nice drive. Uh, I was listening to uh, the Santana album Braxis on the way over here, which I hadn't heard in a long time. 
Uh, this is nice. Jammed it out real loud, real nice. Uh, weather outside, I put the windows down. Uh, had a it nice ride over here. It is the type of weather right now. It's great. It is. It's great. Sorry um, for all, everybody listening up north that's still de- dealing with uh, winter. Yeah. But uh, we are loving every it's minute of it. perfect weather right now. And the surf is great. The surf is great. As you can hear, we've got uh, all types of wildlife out there. Yeah. Uh, that's why we have the window open, so everybody can kind of uh, feel nature with us. I'm feeling it. Are you feeling it? Yeah. Are you comfy? I'm cozy, man. How, how's is, that tea? This is The tea was great. Um, the couch set up um, is awesome. I like it. It's a nice little couch here. Who is the legendary Bill Somerville? S-O-M-E-R-V-I-L-L-E. I feel like Sam Elliott should come into this from the Big Lebowski and be like, sometimes there's a man. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes there's a man. <laughs> oh my God, who is Bill Somerville? I don't know, man. I'm, 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 I'm still working on that. I think some days, you know, um, some days I have it hammered down, and other days I'm just like, man, what am I doing? You, you know, it. There, there used to be this. Do you remember vines? Do you remember those? Those thirty second clips. They got real hot, oh, like yeah, three yeah, years yeah. ago. Yes. There used to be a guy on those, um, blonde hair, just big stoner, and he had this vine clip. It was my favorite one of all time. I think I, I saved it. It's just him walking down down the side of a of a sidewalk i guess in la and he's like you ever just be like what the f- is going on here like what's going on <laughs> and then that was just like the end of it and i don't think i've laughed that hard in a long time i'm just like could that's so relatable to me i'm like yeah what's what's happening right. what's going on here i i need those pauses and and that question arises daily. You know, sometimes I think this is just all one big video game. And sometimes I think that, uh, you know, this all has some divine, uh, you know, purpose going on that uh, uh, that we need to play out and, uh, and try and learn from. Yeah. Or maybe, like, you just live your whole life and then, like, you die and then, like, some dude's like taking like these virtual reality goggles over off you and being like, man, that was a good one. Let's go again. And like, so, so do you think if we, you know, get that, uh, that deep, do you think there is some type of afterlife? Man, I sure hope so. Yeah. Right. That would be the happy ending story of it. Right. Uh, I always try to live, live that way. Uh, cause I've lived the alternative way before. Right. And I prefer this way more. I do. Uh, <laughs> so, I do too. Yeah. I, it's, I, it's a little more enjoyable. I feel like the happy, happily ever after stories are, are nicer than uh, the flip side of that. So I sure hope so, man. Right. Um, I don't think anyone's um, been to the other side and come back and, and, hey guys, it's true. There's something cooking on the other side. Um. Yeah. Do, do you like? I mean, I, I've thought uh, numerous possibilities, 
and we won't get too crazy in depth here, but I just want to share you with you one idea that I have uh, is that we come back as another human being, okay? Uh, completely erased, obviously, of, of all of our memories, okay? And given another shot. Shot at what? I have no clue, right? Mm. But that, that our spirits live on, you know, within the earth, you know, uh, we're almost recycled, right? Um, so like and, a- and, and I think what I would hope retains is some of the lessons that we learned in our past life. Hmm. And, you know, um, does there, is there a crazy side of me to that, that thinks that, you know, the, the reason why we're, you know, brought back is to have a deeper understanding of what this all is and kind of almost like poof, you know, once you once you have that and live that, you know, most authentic, non-contradictory, you know, beautiful life that you just kind of poof. Nirvana? Yeah. Like uh, the Buddhists call it, what, samsara? Uh-huh. Where there's the circle of uh, suffering, as they would call it. And you just like, again and again and reincarnated and reincarnated and reincarnated. And maybe one time you don't come back as a human, but you come back as a donkey. And like you live that that life as a donkey yeah. and then just like you know and that's like uh what do they say like don't you know don't mistreat people or animals because like that animal might be the buddha or any living thing for that matter yeah we're timing out here for uh, for a little jam session you should definitely yeah. put this into the show <gasps> To uh, you know the professional part, uh, not that we haven't been professional here, I feel but uh, I, I just feel that the listeners and the viewer uh, should learn about the man that I, I have brought here today, um, because once again, um, the reason, the reasoning behind bringing you here today, is uh, um, how uh, how close we are. Okay, um, we may not talk every day. Um, we may not see each other every month, but the connection we have is extremely deep. Um, not only because we've dedicated ourselves to helping others, mm-hmm. um, but we're on a mission to helping the community and beyond. And, uh, and I know that your life has been very similar to mine, the trials and tribulations, the ups and downs, the good times, the bad times. Um, and, I think like me, you don't regret any of it. It was all a learning experience that helped you become the man you are today. Mm. And though the mirror is constantly changing uh, for the better, uh, even though we're getting older, but for the better in the way that we are uh, becoming more wise to who we truly are. Mm. And... um, you know, I'm just curious to, to, to finding out a little bit more about Bill, okay? Sure. Uh, so we can share with everybody um, what helped you uh, get out of a rut 
get out of you know uh, of 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 the tough times and become the successful um, business owner, entrepreneur, uh, you know, caregiver that you are today. Yeah, man. I, and here I was thinking that the only reason you invited me on the show is because I was the only one that said that said yes. <laughs> so thank you for priming me up for that. And yeah, man. I mean, uh, best way to uh, to get to know someone or get to know something is, um, you know, by answering or asking questions. Um, so, man, you it's just have, a it's just a conversation. Yeah, you have free range, man. You can ask me whatever you like, and I will answer it honestly and to the best of my ability. And by best of my ability, I mean I'm not going to think. I'm just going to answer it. I feel like. Well. Where are you from? Where where were you raised? Tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, um, your your childhood. Yeah, uh, I had a phenomenal childhood, man. I, I grew up, um, I one of two. It was me and my younger sister, Ashley. I was born in, uh, in Bridgeport Hospital in Connecticut. Uh, and shortly thereafter, uh, was moved to South Jersey. Uh, my grandfather had a summer house in a little town called Waretown, uh, outside of Long Beach Island, New Jersey, in uh, the southern, southeastern part of New Jersey, uh, for anyone that knows that area. And uh, I, I grew up there, uh, and I lived there from two years old um, until I was 18 and could make my own decisions, and then I got the hell out of there. <laughs> a lot of your family still up there? Yeah, yeah. A lot of my family is centralized in the Northeast, man. But I, um, I always had itchy feet. And yeah. where did those itchy feet take you? The army. The army. I knew that, uh, you know, when I was graduating high school. So the beginning of my senior year was two thousand one. Um, school in the Northeast starts in September. So September. 2001, there was a pretty significant event that occurred for me. Um, I remember it pretty vividly. It was like, what, like between 9 and 11 a.m. in the morning, somewhere around there. Uh, And I was in a a multimedia class. It's my favorite class, actually. Uh, I even want to say that it was a Tuesday. I don't know that for certain. But I I want to say it was a Tuesday. They say that something that life-changing it, it, it embeds itself so deep in your memory to where you even can recall what you had uh, for breakfast um, and, 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 and what you were doing, what you were wearing. Um, I, can, I can remember being... Um, so we're in this multimedia class and it's like a visual ed class, right? We're doing this kind of stuff. We're doing... Um, we're doing video recordings at the time, 2001. Jackass was huge, the show Jackass. So most of this visual class was just like us with cameras beating the shit out of each other and then putting like um, like disturbed and like system of a down music um, dubbing over us, like giving each other like the stone cold stunner off of bleachers and like doing dumb stuff and having random people punch us in the face for no good reason. Um, but on this particular day in multimedia class, <clears throat> we were learning about special effects. Um, and as we were learning about special effects, 
uh, phone rang uh, in this uh, in this office, this multimedia office, uh, and the instructor turned the television on, and what we saw was uh, the first plane entering the World Trade Center. And I said to myself, that's uh, some pretty cool special effects. Uh, and shortly found out after that, just by seeing, uh, by seeing his face, that it, uh, it clearly was not a special effect, that what we were seeing was uh, happening. Uh, it just happened recently. Uh, we were all sitting there and, uh, and watching it occur. And uh, being from South Jersey, there were there were quite a few uh, kids that had parents that were actively working in New York City, and the reasoning for that was just because New York City jobs paid a lot better. Uh, you'd work in New York City, and then you'd bring you know your New York City salary out, uh, and you know live an hour and a half, hour forty five minutes, two hours if traffic was bad into the city or. Um, you know, back home. Um, so that, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that was my itchy feet story is, um, once I saw that, I didn't have like in a special, I didn't have this yearning to join the military, even though, uh, there were men in my family that had done it. Uh, yeah, I mean, there wasn't really anything going, you know, 2000, we didn't really have anyone that, we were beefing with, you know, uh, we didn't really have any big issues. So, uh, I wanted to just, you know, go to college and get the party started. <laughs> and, uh, this all happened. And, uh, you know, at the time I had already taken the SATs and prepped to go to college. So all that was like already in order. Uh, and I was thinking about enlisting and, and moving away from college and, yeah, you know, I kind of made a concession where uh, I would go to college, uh, I would join the ROTC program, and uh, I would go to uh, to BCT uh, the summer of my freshman year of college. So it was like, boom, um, you know, get into college, like uh, you know, take this path to become an officer, uh, and that's kind of like where my military story started. Man, is. Uh, so, I can only imagine how difficult that is, period, is that you're in college, right, and in the service. Mm-hmm. Um, you're living that civilian life somewhat, okay, mm-hmm. um, but you're still obligated to the United States uh, government. Yeah. And and you have such a you know horrendous uh, thing as in 9-11 to where you can almost guarantee uh, your... Uh, you're going to be deployed to somewhere, uh, you know, uh, that has a great chance of where you're going to, you know, see people, pass, you know, die, mm-hmm. or you yourself might lose your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious as in, you know, how you kept yourself on track and and dedicated to the service and didn't say, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I need to just focus on school here. This is what I really want to do. That you, you still, you know, kept your, uh, kept your goals as in, you know, being an Army officer. Yeah, I just knew that, um, I mean, after my BCT, right? So I did this, like, summer um, 
you know, uh, went to uh, Fort Jackson uh, and uh, went through basic combat training. I, I, that was like when it re- I I really got more dedicated. And the reason being, I think, uh, was because I just saw like I don't know what I was expecting. Like when I went into the army, like I don't know if I was expecting there just to be like a bunch of like really like ragtag tough guys. But for the most part, like it was just people. Like, people that were not extraordinary, like, when they went in, and and for most intensive purposes, were afraid. And were volunteers, too, man. Like, we're not talking about a draft here, man. They're talking, like, people were afraid. They were volunteering. They wanted to do something um, and support, you know, our missions overseas. And just being around it. And I just, I don't know what it was, but I just, like, had this tingle uh, and God was just like, or I wouldn't have called it God at the time, but the universe was just like, you're going to be a leader, you know? And I just like, so you felt it. I just felt it, man. I did, you know, like, cause I was an athlete. So I was like, you know, I was smoking PT, you know, like I was, um, I was definitely ahead of the curve. I was in, I was in college, you know, um, not, you know, just I guess like above average for the army in terms of intelligence, you know, uh, not for the civilian world, but for the military above average, which is not saying much, you know. Um, hey, if you can organize <laughs> and lead men in a in a conflict situation, yeah. you know that takes a little more than you know uh, algebra one and you know all the one hundred and one classes. I just, I, you know, I, there was a lesson that was taught to me, and it wasn't even as um, as an officer, but it was from an NCO um, that knew, you know, he's like, what, you know, Somerville, what do you want to be? You can be anything. Do you want to be a ranger? Do you want to be this? And I think I said the one answer that he didn't want to hear, and I said, Sergeant, I want to be an officer. And I could just hear him be like, ugh. <laughs> but then he, like, came around, and he was just like, you know, like, you started talking to me like when you lead men, you know, I start to, as I do a private, I was a private in basic combat training. That's how this dude is talking to me. Right. You know, an 82nd airborne pissed, pissed as hell that he had to come babysit snot nosed 17 year olds in basic combat training when he would rather be deployed in Fallujah. And he was irate. He was like, you know, uh, and they called us like the seventeen-year-old kids in BCT, eighteen-year-old kids. They called us the the nine eleven babies, right? Just like the kids. We were kids. I was a kid, um, forced to grow up in, in the matter of three months. Quickly, yeah, quickly because like you know, I mean, a lot of people were going, man. Like it wasn't you know anyone that signed up in you know oh one oh two oh three. Like there was no. You know, you knew why you were signing up, right? You know, right? Um, it sure as shit wasn't to wasn't to sideline. You know, it was to go. Um, and dude, this this NCO kind of like took me under his wing, um, and I just remember him saying that the worst decision that you can ever make in life is not to make a decision. Like, if you make a right decision, good. That's awesome. That's what we'd always like to do. But it's not going to be that way all the time. But if you make a wrong decision, have a reason for it. Yeah. But just don't ever, like when your NCOs or your guys are looking at you, don't ever say, I don't know. Say, I'm figuring it out. You know, that was like the cardinal rule. And I'll never forget that. And always stuck with me. And what it did is it, 
it just removed the fear of making decisions uh, away from me. You know, uh, I mean, what a first lesson! It to was learn. great. It was a. It was a great. And he was a good dude. I mean, you, you you recall it to this day, and it's impacted you and helped you through a ton of uh, life decisions, has it not? Yeah. No. Definitely. I mean, like, it was easy for me to recall that because I, you know, I remember it. You know, and and you know, anything, surfing. You know, like, make a decision, dude. You going? Are you going to paddle or are you not going to paddle? Like, make a decision, but don't do nothing because you're going to get rolled. Right. Um, you know, are you going to make this business right. relationship or are you not? Right. But don't just do nothing. You know, are you going to quit your job um, to start this new company? Um, or are you just going to shut the hell up and are you just going to keep, you know, taking your paycheck and, and, and doing that? But make a decision and, and stick with it. And, you know, just paddle hard. You know, that's it. Uh, and I'll just never forget that lesson. It's a, it's a great, it's a great lesson. So, um, you become an officer. Yes. Okay. What was on the, uh, what, 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 uh, what came next? A lot of school, man. Um, so I was in school for, oh, geez, uh, right. yeah, well, yeah. Um, so, uh, there was, it was weird. We were starting, like, urban combat was becoming more and more, um, common uh as well as um you know like mountain warfare so uh urban mountain warfare um schools um basic officer leadership course they call it bolick um which is like they just threw us all you know west pointers guys from harvard mit um university of scranton slash king's college like where i was at i'm um, just threw us all into this smorgasbord and i just never forget just hating it like imagine a thousand officers mm-hmm. in a, in a room all trying to wrangle for control. It just like, ugh. Well, that was the problem we had with officers is that they they not all of them, but a lot of them had no clue. Mm-hmm. But they acted like they had a clue about everything. Yeah. Well, you gotta act. They tell you that, man. You gotta act. They confidently, me. like move confidently and of and attack violently through whatever decision that you're going to make. But my whole entire thing was um, I was a big fan and still am a big fan of collecting feedback and constructive criticism. Um, I was a little bit different because um, I went through BCT and I had a PFC rank before I, I went green to gold in this SMP simultaneous program, whatever the hell they were calling it at the time. Um, so I'd seen that side of the fence before, but uh, still I, I liked feedback. I mean, like, my, you know, my dad being in the military saying like, hey man, like you need to listen to your NCOs, but um, they also need to respect you. Yeah. You know? Um, and uh, it, was, it was important. You know, just as important as NCOs, man, we're specialists. I didn't know they like, you know, what we call E four mm-hmm. in the in the army. It's like they, you know, there was a lot. There's a bunch of E fours. Like right before you made the hop from that to a non commissioned officer was like there was like a bottleneck. So you have all these specialists that think they know what they're doing, and some of them command a big stick and you know a lot of sway in a platoon. And you know you gotta 
No, there was nothing more happy. frustrating when you have your Patuna guys. We're all working in unison. Mm-hmm. The camaraderie is tight. And then a new officer comes in and thinks that he could shake it all up just because he's an officer and is experienced, you know, in, in some other, you know, uh, fields. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, in the beginning, we don't realize their importance, right? Mm-hmm. We just think that there's that this is a threat to the uh, platoon. Um, but the officers that we truly respected are the ones that got down and dirty with us. Yeah. That weren't just finger pointers that were there amongst us getting dirty, um, and ensuring that we understood the mission Mm -hmm. versus just doing it. Sure. Cause, cause anybody, any, any officer or leader for that, uh, for that matter, could give you a, a directive and, and walk away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the good ones are the ones that follow through right with you. Yeah. Would I you agree. consider yourself one of those leaders? On my better days. Yeah. You know, on some days, uh, you know, even operating the company, it's just like, you know, it's like, just do what I'm telling you to do and like everything's going to be okay. You know, do you trust me? You have to trust me. Right. You know, if you don't, this isn't going to work. You know, I I don't know how to explain this, but you have to just trust me. You know, I had a conversation like that today, you know, working with our sales staff. They're like, I don't want to use the script that you gave me. And I'm like, yeah, but here's the thing. Like, in business, like, if you're not taking an action that's measurable... If we don't have a baseline, if we can't like measure, okay, you use this script, you closed 5%. You use this script, you closed 20%. You know, hey, this is a quantifiable action that you're taking here. And if you can't do that, then you're just guessing. Right. You know, you're not testing, you're guessing. Um, and that doesn't, that doesn't work. There you're just hoping for luck. And for me, man, like luck is never good enough. Right. I don't like luck. Well, you know, you, 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 you tested all these things. You know, you were the guinea pig. You know, you, you were the fine tuner. You know, I, I, I think um, knowing you well enough, and this goes back to those leadership principles, uh, um, is that you wouldn't just give them something, uh, give them a, a rifle that you haven't already shot. Sure, of course, yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and would you, would you think that that helped you become a great business owner? Oof. Um, I think it's helped a lot. You know, I don't, um, I'm new to the, I'm less than two years, you know, in, in business right now. So I'm in a, a spot where I'm just trying to find guys that do really good and just like ask them about, ask them as many questions as they'll allow me to ask and institute that stuff uh, before they're like, all right, man, get away from me. Right. You know, and, and like I was telling you, like the, the podcast that we're doing um, is a great opportunity for me to interview people uh, that I admire in our space and just ask them some questions. You know, hey, uh, how are you doing this? Are you doing that? Share this with the audience. But, you know, really, I'm getting a lot out of that. Yeah. And it's good because 
I'm kind of the audience, right. you know, like we're, you know, I'm one of the audience. So there are times where I think that eh, maybe this is a stupid question, but if I'm the audience and I have that question, it's probably not that stupid. No, it's, or maybe crucial. It it's crucial to be an effective uh, business owner, uh, um, you know, manager, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. She staying? She got that pizza. It's crucial um, to be a, a good observer, to be an audience member, to be mm-hmm. that outside, you know, uh, 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 viewer uh, of of it all, mm-hmm. um, in order to really fully understand, you know, uh, the whole cycle. I would agree with that statement a hundred percent. You know, and it's just uh, you got to test a lot of stuff, man. Right. You just got to test a lot of stuff. That's it. Is uh I call it uh trial and error. I mean, I'm telling you that's yeah. that's a lot of life. <laughs> you know? It really is. It's trial and error, seeing what works, what doesn't, you know? Uh what what, what makes you happy, what doesn't? You I, know? I call it validated learning. Yeah. Right? Like am I being am I doing this test and like is it zapping me or is, oh, okay, this is good. Uh-huh. Like, this is good. Feels good. People are telling me it's good. Like, validated learning. Um, would you be this effective or, or, or an effective business owner slash boss um, if you didn't join the service? I don't think so, man. I think that, you know, having, being that young and being put in a position, a very, you know, a serious position um, at a, you know, 21 years old at a young age, um, you know, I mean, dude, 21 years old, it's what, 2006, 2007. So we're tottering on, you know, a serious uh, economic uh, event. That's about to occur, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, companies are starting to shed upper level management. They're starting to restrict marketing budgets and, uh, you know, spend less money because uh, the markets are crashing and all the, you know, stuff that happened with the financial crisis. So, uh, you know, and I was in the army. So, and as a, in a managerial position uh, that I had held for, um, a couple of years at the time. So it, uh, yeah, I definitely think that, uh, it's helped me significantly. I don't think the civilian world could have, you know, offered me that level of experience, um, at that particular time. Well, after talking with another gentleman today, a gentleman today, uh, director at Lynn university, we were talking about how important it is for, the 18 to 25 year old to experience as much as possible. Mm. You know, it's like they say that the first five years of your life are the most important. Uh, This is what is going, these first five years are going to develop who you become. Mm. Um, And I think 18 to 25 really will dictate the rest of your adulthood. Mm. 
during those years, were you still at home? Were you still having mom do your laundry and cook your food? Uh, were you still in the same town? Did you have a job? Did you try other jobs? Uh, did you learn, you know, more than just one subject? I think, um, personally, you know, that it's imperative at that age to try more than one job, to move, mm -hmm. to take on some responsibilities on your own, um, because it, it will dictate, uh, the, the, the productiveness, the discipline, okay, um, and, and the strengths that you have, um. And I, I think that, yes, have you and I gone through some hell outside of war? Without a doubt. But if we didn't have this experience, these experiences that we had in the military during those young years, that we may not overcome those. We may have been so dependent on other people to help us, you know, or, or to guide us and to whatnot, that we may not have had the strength to uh you know overcome the challenges yeah no um it's kind of a double-edged sword for me man i i uh, sometimes i wonder uh yes like if i hadn't had that experience would i have made it through some of my darker times i also think that because of that experience i persevered through the darkness a little bit deeper than the average person would have yeah. Um, you know, like, um, you know, homelessness was part of my story. Uh, it's not part of a lot of people's story that I've met, like, in this particular town. Usually, like, the threat of not having a stable environment to sleep in uh, is a lot. There's a lot of fear around that. Uh, I didn't really have that fear. You yeah. know, I was, um, I was an alcoholic and a drug addict and uh I just was like whatever we're camping outside now like it doesn't make this is one less thing I gotta worry about you know and uh it took me uh you know uh a lot deeper uh into that darkness but uh you know again it, yeah it, it helped me you know it, it definitely did it definitely helped me uh persevere through some of that uh stuff uh but there was also a lot of things i think that uh, i learned in the service that i had to unlearn um to get sober yeah you know like asking for help especially as an officer dude i don't ask for help right like i help people right um you know and uh, uh learning to deal with emotions was another big one for me because uh, I had learned for years and years and years um, that, you know, men don't talk about their emotions. Right. Children do. Um, sissies do, you know, like just uh, that super like macho stuff uh, that's, you know, taught to uh, us, especially in, uh, I would say the Marine Corps and the Army would be probably the two biggest ones compared to the Navy and the Air Force and all the other uh, DOD um areas there are you know like like machoism um you know for like, oh, no, like it, infantry it, it, guys is, is that's a that's that's big it's embedded in us yeah and, and, and they 
ingrained it in you for so long that there's no way you can just release it, mm-hmm. okay, and, and become this, you know, open, uh, you know, uh, uh, unafraid I- individual that, you know, is, is capable of, of handling these things on our own. Mm-hmm. When, when, when you're talking about, you know, uh, um, self-medicating, okay, oh, yeah. and trying to deal with it after you figure out that you have the problem, okay, uh, that's that's another issue that we deal with. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. This is this is just what I do. This is just a part of our life. Because in the military, you know, if, if you weren't deployed somewhere, you were smashing. You you were having a good time yeah. as much as you could, you know. And, and and there was no limits. And not one of you know your your brothers or sisters said, Jake. I think you had enough. It was, hey, the party continues. And if you don't stop, or if you stop drinking, you're, you know, you're not one of us. You're a mm-hmm. sissy, you know. Um, you, you need to train harder. <laughs> and and then you um, expect us to get out overnight and completely erase all of what is ingrained and and deal with it on our own. Uh, only with the hopes that we do talk to somebody, mm-hmm. which, which for me, you know, the first ten years, I wasn't admitting to that that I had PTSD, uh, that I had a substance a pro- substance abuse problem, um, that that I was depressed, um, that I felt alone. All of these things, I wasn't admitting those to anybody because I was a United States Marine that served in war, that still feels responsible for leading somebody. I don't know who, but I think that every action I have is going to be seen and felt by somebody. You know, as family, you know, it kind of relates because after you get out of the service and and, and do a few tours, your family looks at you different, you know? They're like, this man, he, you know, he's the most respectable person we have in the family. Hmm. You know, he would never do anything wrong. He couldn't do anything wrong. A lot of my family thought that. I couldn't do anything wrong. Jake's United States Marine who served in Iraq. You know, uh, uh, he's a leader. He's a go-getter. He could never disappoint us. And that affects you even more. Because you don't want to disappoint your family. You don't want to disappoint your brothers and sisters by admitting you have a problem or you, that you need help or that these thoughts are running rampant and you don't know how to deal with them. Mm. And it really boils down to just having a conversation. You know, you don't necessarily have to run to your therapist. You know, or, or to a doctor, but if, if you're suicidal, yes, you, you definitely do need to, to dial that number. Mm-hmm. But if you're ever feeling hesitant, and if you're going through a lot of things that we just discussed, you know, pick up the phone and call a fellow brother or sister. And if you don't, you, you don't know who to call. Um, you know, you, you, you look Bill uh, or, or myself up 
online. Um, and, and you look for other fellow veterans um, that will have your back because we understand what the hell you're going through. And you don't have to be alone because we're in this together. You know, uh, Bill, I think that you and I have, uh, have overcome a lot of this. And, and let, me, let me say the help number here mm-hmm. is uh, if, to any of my fellow brothers and sisters that are going through a lot of mental anguish and, and that feel alone and that maybe are thinking about taking their lives, I want you to call 1-800-273-8255, okay? That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, all right? They'll help you through. But if you don't want to make that particular phone call, you dial 561-431-57. Bill, if you feel comfortable with giving your number um, to, to any of the veterans that are struggling out there, we're here and all, all the veterans that we have teamed up with Unified Dream and other local organizations will help you through it uh, because we know what you've gone through and you don't need to any longer. Yeah, um, you can uh, find me on social media, uh, Bill Somerville, S-O-M-E-R-V-I-L-L-E. I know sometimes it's weird just to call a random number. Um, if you want to engage with me on social media and that's uh, you know less of a confrontational approach for you uh by all means or uh by text message uh area code 609-290-5679 i'd love uh i love the opportunity to be a service it uh you know helps me just as much or more as it does the guy that's calling and you've dedicated yourself now now that you're a part of the program uh, you've helped many people, including myself, um, through a, a, a lot of the turmoil, a lot of the challenges that we face transitioning. Um, besides the program, Bill, what helped you uh, overcome a, a, a lot of the these challenges? Uh, I mean, in the beginning, it... Uh, it was just the program, right? Like the program was enough for me uh, to, uh, and I'm talking about a a 12-step program. Uh, The particular one that I'm in was Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, But, you know, for me, just like the fellowship, you know, within that, and then there's, you know, uh, veterans that were within that particular fellowship. Uh, And if you want to go to www.aa.org, you can find, uh, if substance abuse is um, something that you're dealing with, you can find uh, a local meeting there. Uh, And uh, that, I mean, that that did a majority of it, man, for years and years and years. Uh, And then, you know, I added to it. I didn't replace it. You know, my, uh, the program that I have, you know, right now is, um, you know, I still try to put just as much in it today as I did um, when I was just starting, which I do. You know, I, I fall short, fall miserably short sometimes, uh, but I just try to jump back on and you know um, carry the message to whoever is still suffering. I love sponsoring veterans, obviously, because there's multiple things that we can connect with rather than just the drink or substance abuse problem. Um, but then you know. 
there were other things that came into play too. Uh, you know, I mean, the ocean, nature yeah. plays a big role yeah, in your life. Um, I mean, uh, yoga and, yeah. and, and working out. You know, I'm just curious as to uh, what Eating other well, um, meditating, uh, running, uh, just doing whatever I want. Man, travel. Travel was always a, a really, really, really big one for me. Um, you know, going to, to Bali and going to Costa, um, just awesome surf spots, uh, good people, good vibes, good food. Uh, what have you learned from traveling? Man, that the world you is know, a, is yeah. a big place. You know, I'm asking that not as like, a, uh, uh, as a militant question where you have to have me, you know, give me an exact answer. I'm just... Because I know travel is so important to the development of of, of the human mind, and mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm just curious as to you know what you've learned from it and, and and how it's helped you, you know, just in general, man. Yeah, I mean, like, what what's the line that they say? Uh, um, you know, travel is is is. Uh... Uh, travel, um, you know, removes prejudice. It removes, uh, you know, false ideas, contempt prior to investigation. Like when you go out and you're in someone else's country, it's like being in somebody else's house. Uh, and just to observe just how people are outside the United States, man. And just, uh, it makes me even more grateful to, have been born in this amazing country just to see like, man, like how good we have it just like blows my mind. Sometimes I'm like, man, like I really just, I really just pulled the winning lottery ticket. Huh? Right. Like that's what happened to me this life. Right. Uh, it makes you more grateful. Uh, and I always say there's only one thing I love more than leaving America and it's coming back to her, you know, like after a long haul to Asia or an area like that, you know, 20 something, hours on a on a flight across the world and seeing how different people live uh and enjoying it you know and being engrossed in it while i'm over there but then like getting on a on a plane and coming back and getting closer and closer and closer uh to the u.s and like getting off and like going through customs and like being back home you know and stepping outside of the airport for the first time and just like Back. You you've traveled to different areas, not solely for enjoyment. And didn't you do a a service trip here this past year? Oh yeah 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 yeah. So um, I uh, I was uh, I went on a service trip uh, with a group of uh, insurance agents, uh, and that's the you know our business policy bonds that we do. We generate leads for the insurance world, so automobile and home and life insurance and uh health insurance so it was it was a great trip it allowed us to kind of like do um some service and some business like together which was a win-win-win for us uh and we went out uh to guatemala city with a group of uh all state agents and it was good they were just they were just good people uh and we went out there and we the first organization that uh we connected with was one called Potter's House and Potter's House is 
like it's like a school I want to say I want to say school slash orphanage don't hold me to the orphanage part of it but I know that uh, the school was in a dump uh, and in that dump uh, what was happening there was the breakdown of asbestos uh, and Jeez, you know man. I don't I didn't appear to me like they had the proper equipment to be disposing um, of those hazardous materials. So I guess it just resulted in the men uh, who predominantly were working in the dump um, dying at a young age. Um, maybe the you know the mothers uh, having an issue, she's stressed, a bunch of kids. Uh, another thing people um, don't really know is you know Guatemala is a very uh, very religious country uh and you know they're not a big fan of uh of prophylactics you know it's kind of like a smite at god you know like condoms aren't a thing it's right. like hey like if you know if we're gonna get pregnant it's that's just god's will right you know so you have that uh in conjunction with the asbestos in conjunction with the fact that the water is no good out there so a lot of them uh their primary source for uh, thirst is soda. So they're just drinking soda. Like they actually, so it's, it's funny. They, um, the soda is cleaner than the water. Yeah. So they call soda agua No. in, uh, and agua means, means water. Right. Um, they, and they call water, water, uh, like, uh, pura agua or something like pure, pure water. Okay. Right, so they're literally, man. It's just like every Guatemalan woman is carrying a sack with a two liter of Pepsi in it, man. And the Pepsi has a stranglehold on oh. that country, and they were pumping them full of that garbage. I'm sure that there was a huge factory there. Yeah, I, I didn't see a lot of cigarettes, man. You know, I didn't. They weren't big smokers, but I'll tell you what, man. They're slugging. They're slugging that stuff. You know. um, they're drinking it like morning, afternoon, and evening. Flat, not flat, whatever. What other um, North American, uh, you know, uh, I hate to say, uh, you know, problems that we brought over there? You know, I mean, can't completely blame, you know, uh, uh, for, for the whole Pepsi thing. But I, yeah. I would like to say that it played a big role. Um, what, what other, what other, you know, uh, traditions that they have over there that more than likely they got from us here? Those were the big ones, man. Honestly, like the, those were the big ones that I remember just off the top of my head. The other ones probably weren't as, um, as big, uh, but the soda, was i mean like it was like a disease you know and it was i mean like look like if you catch diabetes like these people in afford an insulin man right don't work like that you know they can't even afford the right mask to dispose of asbestos so if they come down with a case of diabetes like it's you can it's going to be a fatal case and you can almost guarantee if their only water source is pepsi yeah, that, that they're coming. They're that they're developing cancer or diabetes or anything else that sugar 
is going to. It all has sugar in it. The juices are all sugar. It's, you know, um, and then, you know, toothbrushes ain't that common, mm. you know? So it's, um, it's, it's interesting, man. But for, you know, all that other stuff, it, uh, you know, it really was a beautiful country. Uh, yeah, I was, I was going to say, you know, um, when I went to Haiti, uh, you know, culture shock, like you wouldn't oh, yeah. believe, you know, and it's right 300 miles off our shore here. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had very, very little. And when I talk about very little, uh, you know, cardboard houses with spray painted addresses. Mm-hmm. Wearing T-shirts of the wrong Super Bowl or World Series teams, uh, living off of mangoes, um, and in their own trash. But what truly inspired me about the the, the Haitian people and culture is that they were so family oriented. That's all they needed was each other. Mm-hmm. And they were happy. They didn't need a phone. They didn't need technology. They didn't need a TV, the latest shoes, or you know, or some cool device. Mm-hmm. They just needed each other, and they found happiness by relationship. And you know, that's something that unfortunately we're really, really losing here is 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 technology. Is is taking uh, um, you know new generations away from connecting with each other. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that all of them, or it's you know it, it's the biggest issue um, because I have a love hate relationship with technology. Sure, um, you know I I have a smartphone. I have smart cameras and in in a computer, as you can see. Um, but I think it's imperative. Uh, that we disconnect, um, you know, once in a while and uh, connect with each other and, 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 and learn from our interactions uh, and from the words share more from what we see in a screen. Mm. And that's why I can really, really admire people in the third world countries is that, yeah, they may not have a lot, um, and they may be living in horrible living conditions, um, but they're closer than we'll ever be with our own family. Agreed. And that's unfortunate, but, um, but you know, and that's why I utilize times like these to, to discuss on, uh, you know, how, how we can come up with solutions and, uh, you know, strengthening, strengthen us as a, as a group, as a community. Um, and, and I think you and I have found that through community service. Um, how important do you think it has become to you in, in, uh, in, in maintaining peace throughout your life? It's it's big. I mean, what it, I'm I'm probably gonna butcher this. I think it was Martin Luther King that said, you know, service is the rent we pay for our lives on Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's if you're gonna be a member of humanity, you know, like 
can't just all be around, you know, just absorbed around you. Like you're the center of the universe. Like everything revolves around Jake or Bill. Like that's, that's just a sad existence, you know? And I say that from experience, you know, um, it it really is, you know, it's a lonely life. Um, but to get out there, to be of service, it, uh, it's just a good, it's just a feeling that just fills you up. You know, I, I would make that recommendation to anyone. It's like, if you're feeling something's missing, you know, jog your memory and see like, when's the last time you did something for someone besides yourself? Like really did something like really did something. Uh, and if the answer is it's been too long, you know, try that out. That might just be the medicine that you need. Um, might not be, um, you know, Xanax or Adderall or Valium, um, you know, that, that you do need, even though those things, you know, tend to, you know, remove for a short period of time, um, that feeling of loneliness, like it could be so much easier than that. Um, and it could be so much more accessible than that. Uh, and the way that I've found out how to do it is through service. And, you know, thank God I have uh, a 12-step fellowship like Alcoholics Anonymous and meetings all over the world that allow me to tap into that service um, at any point in time just by going up to another an alcoholic and saying, how was your day today? Or well, asking them how they stayed sober today. Right. You know? And, well, you know, and now, <clears throat> through that, you've developed a, a great a great amount of friendships. Yeah. You know, to where you don't feel alone. Mm-mm. And it all started by a conversation. That's it. A fellowship will grow up around you. This is an experience you must not miss. We're sure you will not want to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite lines in that uh, in that big book, um, and it's you know it's it's held true in my life. You know I, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation if it wasn't for the fellowship, right? So I'm extremely grateful to it. Absolutely. You know, no. I I I wouldn't be the same man I am today. Um, if it wasn't for that fellowship and the fellowship that we have developed here within the community, mm-hmm. you know, w- with trusting uh, civilians, you know, uh, again, um, because I'm one of them. Okay, yeah, I may have, you know, may have served in the Marine Corps and you may have served in the Army, but we're all the same, yeah. no matter what uniform or not. Okay. We're all here trying to find some peace, trying to work together towards a better and greater country, um, you know, to we can all live happily, healthy, um, and, and, and no longer have to uh, seclude ourselves mm-hmm. and rely on an outside source to bring us some type of satisfaction, because as we know, it's short-lived. Everyone's just trying to do the same thing, man. Be yeah. happy and be less sad. Yeah. Some people try to chase that through bottle or pill, um, through jumping out of airplanes, through doing a bunch of deployment, well, whatever, whatever it is, you know. But at the end of the day, like that's doesn't make a difference who you are. There's no one that you can go up to and be like, "Do you want to be sad and move towards pain?" Right? No, dude, I don't want that. I just want to be happy, you know. Um, and that's like, you know, and, and move away from pain. And whether you're living, you know, Antigua um, or um, Tamarindo, 
uh, in Costa Rica or Chenggu in Bali um, or Bangkok in um, Thailand or, um, um, you know, or, or West Palm yeah. Beach. Yeah. You know, here it doesn't make a difference. It's all it's all the same. Languages might be different. You might communicate that in a different way. But um, when when I take a look at someone and be like, I'm so different than this person um, externally, maybe you know, maybe we're a different gender, different hair color, different build, or we speak different or have a different accent. But at the end of the day, but that's so minute compared to the reality of how similar we are. We're all in the same chase. There is it's the no same game. The the unfortunate. There is no original thought. You know, the these are all been recycled and for, reformed and and whatnot. And uh, and we try and complicate things, even though the answer is right. You know, right there. Mm-hmm. And, and that's nature. And right here. And that's friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, well. Briefly, I, you know, because uh, because I'm proud of you, and I want to know um, about Policy Mind and yeah. how it came to be, man. You know, uh, uh, there's there's a small number of us that started our own businesses, yeah. and, and you know, as you know, I, I run Unified Dream, and and uh, it's been a blessing and a challenge, and I love every bit of it. But I tell you that there's still a ton to learn. And I'm curious to another new business owner on how you got it started and, you know, your hopes and dreams for it. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, I'm just the kind of guy that uh, I hate the idea of, like, what if? You know, like, what if I would have done this? What if I would have done that? What if I would have taken this trip? Right? That, like, yearning and the fear of, like, having those questions at the end of my days, which, you know... It could be um, 60 years down the road, man, or it could be tomorrow or tonight. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know when it's going to happen. Um, but I, you know, I guess I just had come up with this crazy idea um, when I was working for another company, great group of guys, um, dad a lot, um, another lead generation company in the insurance space. It's like, uh, you know, I'm... I'd really like to try something like this myself. Like, I love the industry. I'm very curious about, um, you know, how customer acquisition works and how the journey of a consumer works and, and how to leverage uh, all kinds of marketing, whether it's TV, radio, uh, digital, um, print, whatever the case is. And uh, I got into the digital aspect of it using um, social media to drive consumers uh, to uh, make an inquiry about purchasing a new home, so in the mortgage industry. And I was trying that as like a hobby while I was working at Data Line. It was working well. It was making me money. So I was just like, all right, you know, I'm going to try this on my own. I'm going to move into this other industry. So we did that. Um, we created a company called Dawn Patrol Digital because I like to surf. I'm like, yeah, we'll just see how this goes. Uh, and it exploded. Like I literally quit my job, um, moved over to Bali, was planning on spending a few months there, and uh, I'm hiring people back in the States. Um, money is coming in. Um, people are signing up. They're raving about the leads. And I'm like, shit, I got to come home. Um, you didn't plan on coming back? Uh, not as quickly as I, um, as I did, no. Um, I knew I was going to come back, but not that quick. 
so I came back. Uh, I came back in February. Um, came back into the U.S. and uh, and built the company and built it up and built it up and uh, was making more money than I ever had in my entire life, but also working a lot more than I ever had in my entire life. And uh, I made some mistakes, um, some mainly revolving around like legal stuff, um, like not having contracts and stuff set up. This is my first time, and the company was moving so quick, man. And I was just like blitz creaking. Um, like into this industry and, uh, I screwed up and, uh, you know, pretty much had to, um, lower my involvement big time. And almost all of our revenue stopped coming in over the course of like 45 to, to two months. Jeez. Uh, but it was good because like I had some money in the bank and I had some time and my dad's dream was, um, to go catch a King salmon, uh, in Alaska. And I took him on that trip. Cause again, like who knows how long we got. Um, and we had a ball and I came back and I just sat around, uh, and just analyzed what had happened. Like this entrepreneurial experiment that I had just been on, you know, that was moving so quick. I didn't even have time to like properly set metrics and stuff like that. And just like, holy shit. Like I'm looking at my bank account. Just like, man, this, you know, financially speaking, this was a success. Um, you know, business speaking, it was a disaster because we had to shut it down uh, but the lessons were learned, you know, and a lot of lessons were learned. And, uh, shortly after that, uh, I came up on, um, on the anniversary of my leaving dad a lot, um, which also meant that my no compete was up. Uh, so after that, what, after that happened, I, uh, I jumped back in to the industry. I learned, uh, I had a good lesson of learning, um, how to generate consumer interest uh, and I just changed it from the mortgage industry back to the insurance industry and we went nuts uh, you know it hasn't been at, like as rocket propelled uh, success story as Dawn Patrol Digital was but I'm kind of happy with that Yeah, uh, because I, I, I learned like this is not sustainable you know at least for a guy like me it's just not sustainable so I'm looking for more for a marathon pace than I am for um, you know, a 400 meter race. Uh, and we're kind of just like, we're analyzing things, we're watching things, we're taking the mistakes that we've learned from the past company. We're, you know, we're even bigger now than we ever have been on feedback and talking to clients. And we're in the stage now, the first six months of the business where it's not about making a ton of money, but it's just about gathering as much information and feedback from people as we possibly can. What are you looking for? What do you want? You know, does this taste good? Does that taste good? You know, talk to us. Uh, And that is going very successfully, and it's allowed us to pivot a couple times from what we thought um, everybody in the insurance space wanted to what they actually wanted. Uh, And that's just kind of like where we're rounding the wagons right now, and, um, you know, we're we're starting to scale a little bit. Um, we've added a couple guys. We hired two guys, an account manager, a biz dev guy in the States. Um, we've hired some people overseas to help us with quality assurance, um, you know, either uh, like looking at leads, uh, looking at our funnels, figuring out like what's going on with, you know, how the consumer is getting there and what we can do better. And it's just, just one big learning experience, man. Uh, that's what makes it interesting. That's what, uh, you know, keeps you waking up. If it was constantly a success, uh, yeah, your bank account may be happy, 
but I think as a uh, um, as a man who inspires to 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 learn mm-hmm. uh, and to grow, you know, it's got to be somewhat of a process. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I will and maintain that state of mind, uh, you know, with with Unified Dream and any other companies that I start because. Um, you know, the, the, the first couple of years you hope are successful, but you're kind of glad aren't because you're still putting the pieces together. Mm -hmm. You know, you're still finding the right team, you know, uh, you're still fine tuning all of these little pieces, uh, that you know, with a little bit of extra time that you can perfect that you can build an even stronger uh, foundation. Mm. And, uh, and I tip my hat off to you, my friend. Thanks. I'm, I'm very proud of you. I'm very happy for you. Uh, you are getting married soon. Yes, we'll be getting married. Uh, found a wonderful woman to put up with all my nonsense. And uh, she's got a great family. You know, she's uh, grew up in uh, in Puerto Rico. Uh, was born in Mexico, uh, so it's great. You know, our family's just uh, just you know, fathers from Spain. Um, you know, mother um, was born in uh, born in Canada and was adopted by a family in Cuba. Just like so much like this Latin culture, it's just it's absolutely awesome. Their food is awesome. They're just the kindest, most wonderful people. Uh, and I'm just, if I'm stoked about anything, uh, besides having found like just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful woman, it's being part of her amazing family. So, uh, I'm excited for that. Congratulations, brother. Thanks. Congratulations. Um, just real quick, Bill, how how do they get a hold of you and, and, uh, you know, share your, your website? Yeah. So, uh, our website is www.policy.com bind.com so policy like an insurance policy p-o-l-i-c-y and then bind um, like binding an insurance policy b-i-n-d all one word policybind.com you can connect with me on the social medias Uh, it's just bill b-i-l-l somerville s-o-m-e-r-v-i-l-l-e you'll see a picture of me um, with my better half, um, after we finished our 5k, uh, that we recently did at the unified, uh, dream event, which was totally awesome. And, um, yeah, we, we, we'd love to connect with you. There's about a dozen ways to, uh, either call us directly on the website through our 1-800 number, uh, place your email in there, uh, fill out a form. I think there's also a chat bot in the bottom right hand corner you can interact with. So just a bunch of different ways, whatever your flavor is, um, connect with us and you know, you'll get to a, a live person pretty quickly. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Bill will be joining us in May mm-hmm. um, to Haiti uh, for, for one week as we build a home for a less fortunate family. Um, Bill's a huge contributor to Unified Dream and uh, our mission to helping the community. Um, we're still uh, raising donations for the uh for this trip uh, we're five thousand dollars short um but i i truly believe with your help we won't have a problem mm. um we appreciate you tuning in to our very first podcast um i i uh 
I feel that together, um, you know, we, we can really uh, create some change. And I am blessed to have you a part of the team, Billiam. Thanks for having me. I love you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.